Welcome to the School of Art and Design podcast. This series features conversations with undergraduate students around their final year research, driven by their experience within the interdisciplinary academic and research methods module, commonly referred to as the constellation module within the school. Hello, my name is Dr. Martin Woodward. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. And I'm Borislava Yotova, and I'm an interior design student at Cardiff Metropolitan University. And I'm here today to talk about uh, the research topic that informed my final dissertation project, which was the importance of cultural consideration in interior design and if it's needed in the university curriculum. So having completed your degree and all of your research, um, especially the, the topic we're going to talk about today, um, what kind of practitioner do you think that you've grown into since being at university? I I came into university wanting to be an interior designer working in a firm and just working on projects with clients. However, now I see myself as more of a wanting to be a researcher. And even if I work in the industry, I would like to make change in the design industry and how it works and how it's viewed, especially interior design. Um, so yeah, I, I view myself more as a researcher now. <laughs> so a researcher practitioner, kind of a mixture of those two. Yeah. So rather than someone who just follows the, the client brief, you want to kind of lead on the direction of the practice itself. Yes, yes. And, and influence change, hopefully, at some point on how interior designers work and how they're being viewed by other professionals and by clients. Nice. And has, and has that position come from your research directly? It has started from my work experience because I was out in industry for a year. Um, and then it, it just grew from my my research topic because my research topic was inspired from my uh, job experience as well. So they're very interlinked. Nice. Okay. So on that, then as a, in, in a nutshell, if you were to describe your research project, um, what the question was, why it's important really, really succinctly, uh, how would you do that? Um, the question is if students in interior design courses are, uh, if they need uh, education on cultural consideration and why this is needed in the industry in general. And I think it's important because I saw it myself when I went out into industry where I couldn't really uh, understand what the client needed, his personal um, culture and group culture. I, I really didn't know anything about it. And most of my colleagues didn't know anything about it as well. And this is why I wanted to look into and research if it's important and how it's important. But unfortunately, I couldn't find anything about the topic in interior design, only in other design practices like fashion and architecture, etc. And there was nothing about your design. So I was like, I think that's important and I want to look into it. And this is how it all started. <laughs> with with the focus upon, especially with that focus upon the, the cultural understanding and that sensitivity in that space, um, what kinds of research methods or approaches did you use to inform your dissertation that, that helped you explore that area? I started off by doing literature reviews and looked into um, the history of interior design and how it was influenced by uh, the culture changes throughout history. And because there was not enough um, researchers exactly on if that topic is needed in education, I wanted to do my own case study in uh, Cardiff School of Art and Design with the students from the interior design course. And I 
for for the purpose of it, I designed two spaces. Uh, the same room designed one uh, in different approaches. One was culturally appropriate, let's say, and the other was culturally inappropriate. And I introduced it into the Pell space, which is the perceptual experience lab in the Cardiff School of Art and Design, um, which is basically a space where you can project uh, your images and people can walk into the space and experience it in more or less real life. Um, so I introduced the two different designs to the students with a questionnaire asking them what it makes them feel like, what they think about it, uh, if they recognize the culture that was being introduced in it. And I drew a conclusion out of those questionnaires and out of the things I saw uh, from the students and how they reacted to it, really. So that was the main thing I did for my dissertation. <laughs> what did you What did you find? Um, I found that there's a really big gap when it comes to cultural understanding on the course and students were really shocked when, because on two different days I um, presented the rooms in a different um, order. So the first day I did um, the culturally appropriate room first and people were really shocked when they saw the inappropriate room and they made, made them really uncomfortable. Um, and then the second day I introduced them the other way around and they didn't see the problem with the first room <laughs> at all. Um, and then when I showed them the second room, they're like, oh, okay, that was wrong. The, the previous one was wrong, but um, they weren't really aware of it when it comes to just seeing one. Um, and after the whole experience, they would feed back to me that they realized that as, as practitioners, it's really important to know those things and to be able to research cultures and know what's appropriate and what, what's not. And uh, in conclusion, it was just there's a gap and students do see the benefit of learning about culture in their course. So just really interested. How, it, how did you present it as culturally inappropriate? Um, so <laughs> the first one was just sort of like a winery space. It's the same space. And it was just like the traditional stone walls and wooden floors, etc. And then the second one, there was uh, an Italian flag on the wall, uh, the Italian map on the other one, statues everywhere, <laughs> like stuff like that. It was just really, really everything stereotypically Italian was in there. And it was really interesting that when when they saw that that one first they didn't they weren't phased by it until they saw the second one that was appropriate let's call it so yeah <laughs> it's interesting that, that when you reverse them they don't realize it is until they see the other one yeah. there's no there's no there's no kind of cognitive warning sign when they see these things that it is or isn't until they compare it to something else yes so, is it, so you, was your finding? So, your findings kind of suggest that it's it's more in the way that in the ability to be able to to, to see it in the first place, rather than just realize it through comparison. Yeah, and yeah, and be be aware of it because as as designers, we we create the spaces. So, it's how we create it is really important to be aware before you even start what to do and not to do, and what's appropriate and what's not. And this is what I wanted to look into. Did the, the, the topic? You say you. You said the topic came out of your own experiences with work experience. Can you talk through 
some of those experiences and and how you came to that question in the first place? What was it you felt that needed to be addressed? Um, So in my work experience, I was working really closely with the CEO of the firm. So I was uh, present on meetings with clients and there was a big struggle when it came to understanding exactly what the client wanted. And this was the aspect of personal culture in the whole theme, um, where if you're not aware and if you don't know how to research a culture, never it doesn't matter if it's personal or if it's group culture, you just don't know how to properly do your job when it comes to clients. Um, and it took us like five times to guess what the client wanted because we just couldn't understand because we didn't have that background of understanding exactly what is needed culturally. Um, so this is why I started looking into it. And uh, this is how I got inspired to do it because I couldn't find any information on it. So I wanted to draw my own. <laughs> I'm just reflecting on the time that we've been working together. And I remember you completing your research proposal at level five and you were very intent on setting up your own firm and and creating your own practice as an interior designer out in the world. And that was the entire focus of, of where you were heading, the trajectory you were following. And I suspect through things that we've talked about previously that that was part of the reason for the year out in industry for taking that sandwich year as well was to give you that understanding of of running an interior design practice and working with clients and and all those things so i find it really interesting that actually it did have a huge impact that experience that year had a massive impact on you as an individual and as a practitioner and a researcher but not in the way you expected yeah yeah <laughs> How kind of at what point during the year did you suddenly realize or was it sort of a lengthy, slow process as you month after month, you suddenly kind of went, there's something bigger to be done here? Or or what was it that that led you to the path that you've kind of followed for the last 12 months? Um, I think it was really slow and gradual process. I didn't suddenly just get this idea in my head. Oh, I actually don't want to do this. I want to do something else. But I think it was at some point when I was uh, sat at home after work and I was like, I feel like I want to do more um, and I want to make a change. And I know that with interior design, I do make changes in uh one person's life or two people's lives like change their environments but it's not the bigger picture and this is what I want to do and I was inspired by my colleagues as well because they're really passionate about it as well um they really want to do change the industry and they're striving for it and like because I still work for them uh we have plans of doing uh, like a film about uh the changes in interior design in Bulgaria throughout history and stuff like that so even my colleagues are interested in research, so they inspired me as well. So it was a really gradual thing, but it's really good because I do get the support as well from them. And it's kind of, I haven't given up on just being an interior designer, but I want to do more and I want to, I want to make something bigger. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I'm ambitious. <laughs> um, you are. One of the few students I'm aware of that's actually used the the PAL space that you mentioned, the Perceptual Experience Laboratory um, that we have within the school as part of an undergrad research project, um, certainly as an individual, I think there have been 
group projects undertaken within the space, but it's the first dissertation project that I've heard of. So you you said you're ambitious. You you absolutely have been ambitious, and we've talked about your ambition throughout the process because when you yeah, essentially what you've undertaken is a, a case study analysis but you've done it by creating your own case study. You've designed the media to go into the PAL space. So how has that experience helped you as both a practitioner and a researcher in understanding where your next steps might be? Um, I think it's helped me a lot uh, to realize what it actually is to be a researcher. Um, and I've enjoyed it so much that this was one of the main things that made me think, oh, I want to continue doing this because it's human interaction. It's um, understanding people's feelings, et cetera, et cetera. And it's something that really interests, it really interests me. And um, it, it's helped me personally as well, uh, just to be more aware. Um, but when it comes to professionally, I think it opened my eyes a lot because I, I wasn't expecting the results I got. And once it all started, I was like, I'm in too deep here. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I was really struggling. And thanks to you and uh, thanks to uh, Joe, it was just re really good. And I was really feeling really supported. And I think that I, I know now that research is more of a a group effort. You, you could have the idea, you could do the writing, you could do the research, but the people you're researching with are the people who are your sub, like subjects of the research are, are the people who are really important for it. And I think this is one thing that I really understood about researching in general, which I didn't know. I thought it was just what I'm interested in and what I conclude and stuff like that, but it's not. So this was one of the main things that really blew my mind. <laughs> in terms of your research around the cultural sensitivity bit, um, which which specific ideas or authors or theorists did you find most resonated with your with with the question that you came up with and, and your desire to to make the change that you wanted to make? Um, I mainly looked into designers when I was researching that topic and into actual spaces uh, that were either culturally appropriate or inappropriate and uh, how they were viewed. Um, so one of the main things that I started with was Norman Foster and uh, the Reichstag building in Berlin and his design for it because it it had a lot of cultural research behind it. And it's one of the most amazing architectural designs that there are. Um, and his whole idea of, he had to redo the building and keep its historical value, but he wanted to change it in a way that, um, it, that corresponds with the culture and with the history of the of the country. So he made the dome of the building glass, um, so that people can walk on top and they can see into the government, the government building. So it, there, there was a feeling of the person being above the government, which was not the case during Nazi time. So it was like this incredible design has been created with a lot of cultural consideration behind it. And this is why it's so impressive. And this was one of the main things that made me really interested because 
that would mean that designers can become even greater designers if they put consideration of culture behind it because there's a big meaning behind what they do. Um, another designer was uh, the interior designer Kelly Westler. I looked into one of her designs that impressed me the most, which was connected to personal culture. She had a client who was an artist and the client wanted their art to be integrated into the interior, but they didn't want to live in a gallery. So they didn't want to have paintings on walls. So she looked into a way to integrate her art into patterns. So into the carpets, into uh, some pillows, etc., etc. And it was really subtle and it didn't really bother you and it was not too colorful. And the fact that she considered the the client's cultures in such a depth, like sat down, look at all the paintings, decided what to do with them. And I thought that made her a really good practitioner. It was uh, something that not every practitioner can do and think in depth about. And I thought uh, this is considering culture and learning how to research it, no matter if it's group or personal, makes you a good practitioner and helps you look into detail that most practitioners don't. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you've got a, a spectrum there of, as you say, the personal to the kind of larger. One of them, the personal one, te- as you say, tends to lend itself towards what you might consider to be traditional kind of interior design practice. And, but, but with a slight nuance around the choices you make, you know, the other one lends itself to being more of a kind of activist and creating spaces that allow the public to interact in a kind of critical way of the thing that it's that, that it's housing, like the government building with the with the. And in terms of your own practice, how those two ends of that spectrum, because you, you can you can fit any way you want along that, depending on the project you're doing. Where would you, as 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 a practitioner and your ambition of the kind of person you want to be and the kind of change you want to make, where would you sit on that spectrum? I'm definitely in the middle. The thing is that I'm interested in private projects as well as I'm interested in public ones. Um, I know it's a bit all over the place, but the fact is that you could get a private project that's massive and it's mind-blowing and you can do amazing things with it. And the same goes with public ones. So I don't want to put myself in a box. I don't want to decide now exactly what I want to do. Um, I want to I want to look at the bigger picture, really. So in the middle in the middle <laughs> your so the research you've done on your on your uh, undergraduate work has lent itself to you potentially taking on a research career uh, uh, post graduation could you talk us through how you found that process um and, and and how natural you found that from the research you've already done um i think when i started my research i I was already wanting to go into research um, just because of the experience I had, but I didn't think that I would want to do a PhD. Um, And towards the end of it, I was just enjoying it so much that I just thought, why not? (laughs) If I want to make a big change, then I might as well do the research and see where the problems are and try and fix them. And I think it was an easy process because Cardiff Met gives a lot of support if you know how to ask, if you, if you're proactive, if you're interested, if you're passionate about what you do, you would get a lot of support on how exactly to do that and how exactly to find exactly what you want to do. And I think this is why 
it's been so gradual and natural for me because I know exactly which people are into what I want to do and have done it for years. And I knew that they would help me and guide me. And I think this is why it's, it's been easier than anything else I've really done. I mean, going into it is easier doing it. I don't know yet. <laughs> so we'll see. So in terms of aligning your, the research topic that you started to follow to a current, the current research in the area you're looking into and finding supervisors and, and finding out that, that they had expertise in that area. How did you find that process? Um, I, I think it was natural with my course because the person who I want to be my supervisor is my course with leader, really. So I think it was just just luck, to be honest, that I knew who to talk to uh, because they were just there and I was working with them nearly every week. So um, I think, though, if if people just speak to their course leaders, they would know who they can turn to uh, because the university has a really good research community and uh, they know what everyone does really so it's easy if you ask just ask <laughs> thoughts on that i mean you're as someone who has supervised Uber level six and seen the project work and now it's being turned into a research proposal from your perspective is there anything i think it's fantastic i mean i'll be quite interested so you've obviously you've completed a piece of research for your undergrad dissertation. How are you going to extend that through the next step of research? So how are you going to take it further? Is it going to be a more focused drilling down of a, a narrow aspect or are you going a little wider in the first instance? Yeah, it's already changing a lot uh, because I've sort of connected it to architecture um, and refurbishment, sustainable refurbishment of historical buildings um, and how cultural consideration in the fields has to go into that as well. So it's it's grown from education to architecture in general. So and sustainability and refurbishment. So it's already changed a lot in the matter of, I don't know, has it been six months? So I don't know how it's gonna go during the master's degree and when it actually gets to a PhD proposal. So We'll see. <laughs> That's the exciting thing about research. You know where you want to go with it, but it takes you in its own direction. So, so it's, the, it's the cultural element still there, even though you're talking about different kinds of sustainability and and, and built environment sort of spaces. Is, is that cultural bit still there? Yes, yes. It's definitely still there, especially because we're talking about historical buildings yeah. and uh, keeping them historical buildings and them being uh, being listed and everything so it's definitely there and it it roots from my research where um a good practitioner to be able to do that they need to know how to research the culture for example that the historical building is coming from and how to keep it the way it is that gets complex, doesn't it? Because you, especially if you're doing it in to the level that you're suggesting, where everything matters, and 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 the the reality of of the of the historical or cultural aspect matters. Think question uh, concerns like whether or not you use newer plastic based or metal based materials as opposed to traditional materials have to be considered because they might not be as sustainable or as durable. 
but you've got to have that consideration because you're, you're trying to you're trying to salvage or, or maintain something about the use of that material by a culture in history that would be lost if you didn't carry on using it. Yeah, yeah, that that's the main problem. <laughs> that's why we're doing the research. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, so you, you're getting properly into the 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 what's it called HBIM modeling in architect HBIM um, BIM is a, I think it's BIM B I M um, BIM BIM is a, a heritage uh, program computer program actually as well in architecture which which decides what materials to use and how uh, HBIM is a is a version of that which includes heritage. As a part of the as a part of the computer modeling, because hey, even in that, even in modeling something on a computer as a part as an architect, you're still dealing with the fact that the materials that are being used might might necessarily have another cultural element to them, to the point of where even the weight of certain materials has a cultural significance because a lot of buildings in certain cultures from certain heritage sites would have been built out of the need for labor to be a release or a punishment. So the weight of the material was chosen intentionally, right? So it's, it's all sorts of other kinds of really interesting things in that. And uh, there's a lot of preparation I need to do before I start doing this uh, because um, I am not an architect. I wasn't in an architecture course, uh, but thankfully my brother's an architect. So I'm going to do that throughout the summer. It's, and uh, it's really interesting, though. You're you're blurring the line. You're blurring the the the, the almost the, the door that shall not be opened between architecture and interior design. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. it opened some really interesting conversations in terms of if you do at some point take this back to the educational aspect, there then that becomes much more expansive, and that line is is much less solid in terms of contextual understanding about buildings, about spaces, about how we inhabit those spaces. Yeah. You're, you, so you're, 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 you're coming at it from a very human perspective. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's really complicated. It's really complex. It is daunting to me, but I think taking it one step at a time is the way to go here. Um, so yeah, uh, I think the research that I did in my undergrad is just really helped me to prepare for what is to come when it comes to a research um, pathway for me. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, that, that's, that sentence might actually be the perfect sentence to end on, <laughs> what you just said. I think yeah, it felt quite important to talk a bit more about the kind of undergrad to postgrad route as a kind of, because you're doing it and it's, and it's something that's real. Um, it just why not share it with people who want to listen to it? It's quite it's quite a nice story to show that you can still do the stuff you did at undergrad, but it but it's in a slightly different framework, and you're learning new skills, and it's it's, it's a nice story. I mean, because because the the this dissertation itself is around teaching and what that means, and you've done it from the perspective of of a student, but also someone who's gone into industry and figured out there's a, a space there, and you've turned it into a a dissertation which explores that problem as a uh, with an intention of uh, informing university level teaching yeah. to, to develop those competencies and it it seems to fit the bill for a recent call with the uh, group for learning and art and design it's for the student learning and teaching research prizes for 2021 um, looking at both undergraduate and postgraduate research that's not yet been published around uh, the area of learning and teaching within an art and design environment and 
your dissertation very much fits within that category from the under undergraduate perspective. So it's the what is it? it it's the only one from the school that's being put forward for this award. Yes, to my knowledge, this year it's the only one we're we're entering with that focus. It's quite an unusual focus, I think, um, for an undergrad student because it's almost a process of self-reflection and reflection on the journey through the learning and teaching you've experienced in a part with your dissertation. I, I think this happened because I'm interested in going into teaching in uh, higher education at some point. So I've always kind of thought in the back of my mind, oh, how can, how can this be upgraded? How can it be even better? And this is how I ended up researching, um, teaching. So, yeah. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about the ideas discussed, please check the show notes, which would include some links and references. And to find out more about Cardiff School of Art and Design, please visit the website at cardiffmet.ac.uk forward slash CSAD.